0: We're in a new series called The New Humanity. And this series, we have one basic premise, and the basic premise is this. When God interacts with humanity, something new is made. When God interacts with humanity, something new is made. And we've said that the new humanity is a group of people who are dreamers. They're dreaming about what God can, might, and will do. We're, new, we're a group of people who are unifiers. We want to bring all people together under the banner of heaven, under who Jesus is. We, are, um, we are worshipers, people who are willing to worship God day in and day out, but certainly in a worship service as well. And today we're talking about um, the new humanity as learners. And so let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy studying? Now, I know that there's some students in here who are like, no. No. Right? I always thought, you know what? I would be a Seventh-day Adventist when I was in school if for no other reason than it's a perfect reason not to study for 24 hours. I'd just be like, no, I can't, right? That's what I would do. And growing up, it's interesting. Growing up, my sister was seen as someone who really liked to study. She always had homework. Um, she always got straight A's, it was phenomenal. She did a phenomenal job, she's very smart and she liked to do all the homework, um, which is a very different experience than I had growing up because my parents would say, Tim, do you have homework? And I would say, uh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, no, I don't, not that I remember. Um, which I've learned is different than actually having homework. Um, My grades were not as good. I didn't enjoy studying. I didn't, I didn't love it. And some of you here, like you love it. You can't wait to study. You can't wait to learn. And some of you are like, nah, like I'm good. Netflix has a lot of stuff on it and it's important that I get through it. They, they need me to get through everything that's there, um, which I know we sometimes feel. So I, listen, The the reason why we're making the premise that the new humanity is a group of learners is because the new humanity is a group of people who can't get enough of Jesus. And to not be able to get enough of Jesus means that we got to keep looking and learning about who he is. So I'm going to ask a more pointed question, which is simply this, do you study scripture? Or do you read it? Now, I think those are two different things, and I've made this premise before. I think that reading scripture and studying scripture are often two different things. Some of you are like, you love to read scripture, and you've got those apps on your phone that tell you how much you're supposed to read each day so you can get through it. And there's like the the year-long ones, and then there's the six-month-long ones, and there's the three-month-long ones. And I think that's the shortest I've seen. Is there like a month-long one? Because that's all you would do is read the Bible, which is cool. Listen, those are great. There's nothing wrong. I'll make a confession to you today. I've never read the Bible from page one to the last. I think I've read, I think I've read all the Bible, but I didn't do. I always get bogged down in Leviticus. Don't you? Don't you get like, ah, oh, health laws, man? A cloven hoof, not cloven. What am I supposed to be doing? Can't in the village I don't it's confusing how much how much if you kill my son do you have to give me in like those I always bog down or in the begats you ever get bogged down on the begats so-and-so begat so-and-so You're like I don't know who that is I don't even know what a begat is we don't say that anymore when will you begat your children that's what we should start saying to people are you are you begatting right now are you in the begatting process <laughs> doesn't make any sense <laughs> Um, so I think, listen, people read scripture and that's amazing. And I think it's really good. I think sometimes we've defaulted into reading scripture, which is important, but we've defaulted to that rather than studying scripture, right? Um, what we've done is we've said, listen, I'm going to read it. So that's good. I'll be, I'll be familiar with it. I'm not going to study it. I'm not going to linger. I'm not going to bring other, other, um, sources in so I can understand scripture so much. I'm going to, I'm going to let, Pastor Tim, I'm going to let you do that. That's what we pay you for. You study scripture. I'll read it. So like when you say Thessalonians, I know where to find it in scripture, but I'm going to let you do my studying for me because sometimes I'm going to let you do my believing for me too. Sometimes we let our doctrines, sometimes we let our pastors, sometimes we let other people do our believing for us. This is why it becomes important for us all to be learners, to be studying scripture so that we can understand who God is and we can understand what we personally, I believe. As a pastor, there's a weird question we get to ask and we've all, we've all done it, but you go to a pastor and you go, hey, pastor, what do we believe about this? And you've heard me say this before. My answer to you is, I have no idea what you believe about that. But no, we're the same. I go to your church. So what do we believe? I can't do your believing for you. I can, I can study scripture. I can express what I believe to be true about scripture and what God is calling me to share with you. And, and I believe it's accurate, as accurate as I can get. But I can't do your believing for you. And I can't do your revealing either. The way that you reveal God is directly connected to the way you understand who God to be. And and that means you've got to have an understanding, not just me, but we don't always teach what a process should be. And so I'm going to spend just a little time on, on the process of studying scripture. I'm not going to get too deep into it. We can do much more later on. But, but if you study scripture, what is your process? What is your hermeneutic? Where do you begin? Where do you end? What is your purpose? And that's a big word, right? Big theological word, hermeneutic. It really just means the process. We could define it as the science and art of deriving meaning from the text. This is your process that you, you take into scripture and um, oftentimes we don't have a process. We just kind of hodgepodge it. We open it up. We read it, see if that's something that catches your, you know, your interest, and you, you you know, may find something online, maybe not. Oftentimes, oftentimes, and I think this is a travesty because I think you're all brilliant, and I mean that seriously. Like, I think you're incredibly bright people. Oftentimes we default to fill-in-the-blank kind of studies, you know, where you're like, it says this, and you fill in the blank, and you go, oh, I filled in the blank. Now I know. No, you don't. Now you filled in the blank. You've done an exercise and it's helpful, but it's not drilling it into your heart. So, you know, what is your process? How do you study scripture? Do you do it alone? Do you do it with people? Do you do it just in church? Do you not do it in church? Um, What we have to understand is that every single time we approach scripture, it is a divine human encounter. So we have to begin with prayer. I think that's where we start. Every time we open Scripture, whether we open an actual physical book or whether we pull it up on BibleGateway.com or whatever app you happen to be using, every time you do that, this is a divine human encounter. This is holy ground. Take off your shoes. Every single time we open Scripture, it is a partnership that we have with the Holy Spirit as he reveals who God is through Scripture. So begin with prayer every time you study Scripture and invite God to be a part of it. The second thing you have to do is I think you've got to figure out your pericope. I'm, I'm alliterating here. You have to figure out your pericope or the portion of scripture that you're gonna study. It's hard to look at that book and go, I'm gonna know it all. Too many people have done that throughout you know, history and none of us have mastered the whole thing forever. So I think what you have to do is you have to define what you're going to be studying. If you were with us through a Romans series, what you understand is we took 28 weeks to get through the book of Romans, and we went verse by verse, by and large, and all of us know that 28 weeks was not nearly enough. So don't say, I'm going to study the book of Matthew today. That's unreasonable. Say, I'm going to study Matthew 1 one through four, or whatever, whatever God leads you to, but then be comfortable within that pericope that you choose. Because if you think you've got to get to a certain point, and this is the problem I have with those apps, by the way, sometimes the Holy Spirit says, oh, sit here for a while. Like rest in this, abide in this scripture, hang out here. This is what I want you to know about for a little bit. And I may keep you here for two weeks studying this one piece of scripture. Because if you do that, you may actually have a deeper understanding of it than if you had just flashed by it because you got to get to the next point. And that's important. So fix your pericope. Fix the passage limit. And then delve into the passage. Study the words, each one. I believe that, that every word of scripture, just about every word, is pregnant with meaning. And listen, it's a different language, so we have to understand that we've got to do some real serious study. David L. Barr states that there are three obstacles that stand in the way of correctly interpreting biblical writing. He says this, listen, we speak a different language, right? We live approximately two millennia later, and we bring different expectations to the text. So why do we think that a cursory reading of a specific text written thousands of years ago and translated and translated into what we have now, why do we think that we go, oh, yeah, that makes sense? Listen, if, you're, if you married someone who grew up speaking a different language, you know they think differently than you do. They may speak English, but they're not thinking the same way. They're thinking very differently because language affects our understanding our process i didn't mean to say that like it was crazy that's the that's the the hand motion i used but that's not what i meant just to clarify right so that's important, right? Delve into the passage and go deeply. And there's tons of resources. It's so much easier. It used to be that you'd, go, you know, you'd have to go to a library, God forbid, or uh, you know, a, a pastor's office where it had all these commentaries. Everything is available to you in your phone right now to get so much information on what these things mean. So you have to dive into the passage and take the time to really study it. But there's one thing that if we don't have that that you need to understand, that if you don't recognize before you begin this whole process, you're in real trouble because process without purpose is like driving without a GPS. You don't know why you're going to scripture, right? Some of you are old enough to remember this. Um, They used to have these things. They were super complicated, incredibly hard to use. They were called maps. Have you, do you know? You know what I'm talking about. They were, um, they were, you, you had to unfold once and then twice and then three times. And let's face it, nobody ever folded them back. You just sort of jammed them into the, jammed them into the, uh, the, what's it called? Glo- glove compartment. Thank you. Thank you. We don't even use those anymore. Right? What do we, what do we have those for? They should just be a tiny little slip where we put our registration. We can push a button and it'll pop out when we get a ticket. I'm going to be a billionaire, that idea alone. Process without purpose is like driving without a GPS, right? A GPS helps you know where you're going. um, And it also can reroute when you take a circuitous route, as they say. Um, Purpose is important. When you go to scripture, purpose may be actually the most important thing. Why are you studying scripture? You have to ask yourself this question for real. And this is where we often go wrong, just so you know. This is where we often go wrong. We go wrong when we study Scripture if our purpose is not correct. And oftentimes, it's not. It's not bad. It just might not be correct. You see, we need to understand that Scripture is a revelation of God to the world. That's what Scripture is. Let me exegete that for you for a moment. If scripture is a revelation of God to the world, that means it's not a revelation of you. I don't know. That seems hard. Because we often go to scripture to find ourselves. We go to scripture to find where we are. We're in this grand narrative. We show up. And I think we can own the fact that the Seventh-day Adventist church was kind of started by that premise, right? We were like, hey, where, do we, where are we in this? And we, we studied it and we, we found ourselves, don't you think it's interesting? And it's not, wrong. I'm not saying that it's wrong, I'm saying that it's interesting because don't you, th- isn't it interesting that over 2,000 years, every single group of people that read the book of Revelation, this apocalyptic literature, found themselves in it? because that's what apocalyptic literature does. Apocalyptic literature recognizes that the end of the world is coming and that it's coming soon. What a, I mean, that's a great premise. That's a premise that almost every movie we watch is about. Right, the end of the world is coming, whether it's robots, whether it's vampires, whether it's zombies, I mean, pick your plague. But, but, apocalyptic literature, we find ourselves in it and every generation not only found itself in it, but then found the signs within it to be definitely relatable to the time they were living right then. I don't know how many people went to their deathbeds disappointed that Jesus hadn't come in their lifetime. Okay. Now, let me, let me unpack this. I think it's I think it's beautiful because that, and anxiety is not the right word, that anticipation of Jesus coming is a great way to live. Fear, not so much. But the anticipation that Jesus is coming and He loves you and He's coming back for you, that's a good place to be and a good place to live. But when all we do is spend our time looking at the signs that we think we can connect to scripture to make sure we are in the right place, we have forgotten the point of scripture. The very first verse in the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. So when we go to scripture to find ourselves, if that's the purpose, you'll find yourself. You'll find yourself all over scripture. You'll find all the things that you're doing wrong and all the things that you should be doing right. You'll find all the behavior that you're supposed to get and all the things. You'll find every checklist that you ever wanted to find, you'll find it. The only problem is you'll miss the point, which is Jesus. You see, when God interacts with scriptures, that means God's interacting with you. When that happens, something new is seen. What do you see when you interact with scripture? Is it you, which I think is an old way of looking at scripture, or is it Jesus, which we could say is a newer, clearer understanding of who Jesus is? You see, we study the word of God to see the word of God. And this is laid out in Scripture again and again and again. John 1, 14. So the Word became human. The Word became flesh and made His home among us and dwelt among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You see, Jesus, the Word of God, is the embodiment of the words of God. It's Jesus but let's be more specific because Jesus continued in this vein. John five thirty nine says you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures, they all point to me, says Jesus. You see, when we seek Jesus in scripture, we are using scripture correctly when we seek the revelation of God through Jesus in Scripture, that is when we are using it correctly. You see, if we're looking for something else, we'll find it, but it might become dangerous because Scripture always exposes us. It always exposes our hearts. And this is how it's said in Hebrews 4.12. It says this, for the Word of God is alive and powerful. The Word of God is alive and powerful because the Word of God are not a, bunch of, not a bunch of words and passages on a piece of paper or digitally rendered on your phone. The Word of God is a living, breathing Jesus Christ, resurrected and ascended That is the word of God, alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word is powerful because the word is Jesus. And as Jesus is revealed, our hearts and innermost thoughts and desires are exposed. How does scripture expose it? Listen, it exposes it as we read scripture through personal conviction, what God is convicting you of when you are alone, how it dissects your intention in life. You know what's good and what's not. Scripture reminds you of this. We know that scripture reveals our our thoughts and our intentions through the public declaration that we make of Jesus. What you reveal about God shows us what you believe about God, how it's informed through scripture or not, how you use it. Do you use scripture like a dagger or do you use it like a healing bomb? We can use scripture to criticize everyone. And some of us have had scripture used to criticize every word we say. When we use scripture like that, I gotta tell you, it says more about you than about scripture. Sometimes criticism says more about the, the critiquer than the critiqued, the critic, critiquer. The third, way that, the third way that we understand that scripture reveals our innermost thoughts And principles, our innermost thoughts and desires, is the practice of the principles that we learn in scripture. And principles come after purpose. The practice of the principle, understanding what it says and putting it into practice. I mean, think about it. How come how come so many pastors fall? They've studied scripture, that's what they do for their for a living. But yet they fall? Why? Because they haven't put those words into practice. Listen, I used to own a Volkswagen, you guys know this. I used to own a Volkswagen. Volkswagen, the company, has a mission statement. It has a value statement. It says integrity, integrity. How come they were able to lie to everyone? It's because they did not take those principles and put them into practice. They did not move them from on a, on a plaque somewhere, on a wall, into someone's heart so they would go, you know what, we can't do that. Why? Because that's not full of integrity. Scripture reveals our innermost thoughts and desires, especially in the way that we put Scripture into practice. You know, but here's the thing. When you grow up in church, and many of you have, when you grow up in church, you learn things really early. This is the way I always say it. We meet God in the little seats, right? And that's good. Scripture says it, Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. My child, never forget the things that I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. This is good. Verse 2, if you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. But I wonder, when was the last time you went back to that house that you grew up in? Right? Do you remember that hill that was so big when you were little? or that tree that you could hardly climb because it was so enormous? How did it look when you went back to that house when you were 25 years old, or 35, or 45, or 55, whatever? How did it look? Because we had, we had this hill right by our house. It was huge, I thought. And I remember being little, and I remember as I was growing up, I would go to the first house and then go down the hill. And then I'd go to the second house up, and that was my marker, and I would go down that hill on my skateboard. You know, and, and I started off by, you know, having one knee on the skateboard and going down, always thinking, you know, I mean, there was an intersection. I could have been killed easily, but, you know, it was the 80s. Nobody cared. Um, and so, so, and I remember, and I remember when I finally got to the top, oh, I thought I was the king of the world. I got to the top. There must have been a hundred homes up this hill. And I went down all the way. I tightened the trucks on my skateboard, went down all the way. I thought I was the king. I fell. I fell a bunch. Um. But I thought I was the king. I remember going back there after, um, after college. We'd been gone. We had moved into a different home. Still close, but I hadn't gone up that road. And so one day I'm driving my car, and I had this truck I had, and I, and I drive up the hill. And as I'm driving up the hill, I'm like, no, that doesn't seem right. So I stop the car. I park it. I get out and I walk up the hill because I think this hill is the definition of me being a victorious conqueror when I was 11 years old. And I got to the top of the hill and I looked down and I went, is that it? That's not that big. You see, still a hill, but I needed to re-experience this as an adult to understand what it really was. Same principle holds true in scripture. Some of us have learned these stories. Some of us have learned about Jesus. Some of us have learned about God and all of this through scripture as we're growing up and we haven't revisited it as adults. And once we revisit it as adults, we realize maybe God was saying what he was saying before, but maybe now he's saying something so vastly different that we need to reinvest in our study of scripture. The new humanity are learners. 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15 says it like this. It says, but you must remain faithful to those things you have been taught. Of course, remain faithful to them, but understand them. You know they're true. You know you can trust those who taught you. That's an interesting point, isn't it? Can you trust those who taught you scripture? And now that you're old enough, can you be trusted to teach scripture? Because if you can't, then that text doesn't apply to your children if you're not trustworthy. So you have to be reinvesting in scripture so that you can understand who it is. 2 Timothy 3.15, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. They have been given you and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Jesus. By the way, the whole point of Scripture is a revealing of Jesus so that you might be in relationship with Him. When we use Scripture for other reasons, when we use Scripture for other purposes, we we are doing violence to Scripture. You see, we can learn all the right things for all the wrong reasons and they become death to us. One of the reasons people don't like to read scripture is because they're afraid of what they're going to see in it, because those things have been used against them for so long. If that has been your experience with scripture, I am sorry. And I apologize for anyone who's ever done that to you, because that was an abuse of your spirituality. And I am sorry for that. But now you're adults. And if you allow that to stop you from knowing who God is, that's on you. It's your turn. It's your turn to desperately seek who God is. And we do that through scripture. Because I actually believe scripture is the most freeing thing on the planet. When we understand scripture correctly, it is an overwhelming, overwhelmingly freeing experience. But the freedom in scripture comes only from seeking Jesus. I still fall into the, you know, sometimes I fall into the how should I act kind of study. Perhaps seeing Jesus more clearly will inform those decisions in a more profound way. And listen, I get it. Life's complicated. Theology is complicated. Sometimes scripture can seem very complicated. And unfortunately, we, we've sometimes said that like we're the only ones who have figured it out. I, I struggle when people say I figured it all out because I've been doing this for a long time. And every time I go to scripture, I see something new. I see something profound that I didn't know before. And I see something deeply pointed towards my heart. This is a living, breathing book that is expressing who God is. And we only understand scripture as much as it reveals Jesus. Jesus said it in John 5, 39. He said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. So if you go to scripture and you find something other than Jesus, then you're not reading it right. You are buying into somebody else's narrative about what this book means. But uh, scripture big. So what part of scripture reveals who Jesus is? What part of scripture is good? As Adventists, we've spent time in Daniel and Revelation. That's our go-to, right? And you know what that does? That reveals Jesus overwhelmingly unquestionably it reveals who Jesus is the gospels that seems pretty obvious the gospels reveal who Jesus is his life his death his resurrection of course absolutely but they're not the only books the letters that Paul writes the epistles that he writes in the new testament to all these different churches who are seeking to understand who God is and who Jesus is more profoundly yep they all speak of Jesus but that's not the only books there the story of creation, this great meta-narrative that is given to us, that, that expresses how much God loves us, loves us so much that he actually creates us out of nothing. And then when we make mistakes, he still comes to us again and again and again, the whole of the Old Testament and covenantal history. God saying, I want to be with you. I will move towards you because you can't seem to move towards me. All those books reveal who Jesus is. Books of wisdom, books of history, prophets, Prophetic books, whether they're major or minor prophets, all reveal who Jesus is. There is an apex to scripture, and the apex of scripture is the revelation of Jesus Christ into the world. And if I sound like I'm being redundant, of course I am. Because we can't have enough. We can't focus on that enough. 2 Timothy 3.16 finishes those phrases by saying, all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, how things shouldn't be. It corrects us when we're wrong. And it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So if I could give you four things, let me give them to you quickly. It's important that you understand the process It's important that you understand the purpose in which you go to Scripture. It's important to understand the principles that we see in Scripture. And it's important to apply those in the practice of the way that you live. Because the question is always going to be this. How does Scripture inform you? How does Scripture inform what you know about Jesus? And how does that change you? Because the change is not going to come If scripture is about you, you already know who you are. The scripture is only going to come as Jesus is overwhelmingly revealed and we recognize ourselves in the light of who he is. You see, because when God interacts with scripture, something new is seen. Jesus is seen differently and in seeing Jesus differently, more profoundly, more overwhelmingly, more full of light. And then I got to tell you, you are illuminated as well. You see yourself differently. You see the people next to you differently. The people on the 91 freeway as you're trying to drive to work, they're not just people in your way. They're children of God who are in your way. (laughs) Those people in line at the grocery store, they are children of God. Those people, those kids that your kids just started to play with and you're not sure about that family because they seem like they might be weird, they are children of God. And they're thinking the same thing about you. Those people that you're walking into school with that you don't know and you're not sure and they might be competition, they're not competition, they're children of God. They are all under the cross. They are all children of Jesus Christ, co-heirs to the throne of the grace that God has given us. Why in the world would we go to scripture to see anything else but a better view of who everyone is through the eyes of Jesus? That's why we go to scripture. And that's why the new humanity, our group of people who are desperately learning about who Jesus is so we can express him more profoundly to the world. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, show yourself, reveal yourself, whether it's through our worship, whether it's through our study, whether it's through, The natural world that we see, whether it's through the rain, whether it's through the person sitting next to us, reveal yourself to us. May that always be the purpose in which we engage in Scripture, knowing that you want us to know who you are. You are not hiding, but you are revealing all the time. In your name I pray. Amen.